book 3 chapter 7 of the heavenly twins this is a librox recording all librox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librox.org recording by sandeep pvds the heavenly twins by sara grand chapter 7 next day in the afternoon mrs bell being otherwise engaged edith proposed that she and angelica should go for a drive together edith was feeling better and angelica had recovered her equanimity she suggested that they should drive toward fountain towers edith had not been on that road since her marriage and when they passed the place where she and her mother had seen the young french girl lying insensibly on the pathway with her baby beside her she was reminded of the incident and described it to angelica adding i have so often longed to know what became of her i can tell you said angelica i know her quite well by sight she is living with nurse griffiths in honeysuckle cottage on dr gelbright's estate nurse griffiths told us he bought her there one day in his carriage very ill and she had been there ever since he always gets angry and snaps at you if he is bothered about anybody who is ill or unfortunate and diablo and i met him that day coming away from the cottage and he spoke to us so shortly we were sure there was something bad the matter so we went to see what it was and nurse griffiths said she was french i have not been there since but i expect it's the same girl shall we stop and see we passed the end of the lane where the cottage is edith agreed eagerly she said it would be a relief to her mind to know that the girl was well cared for and happy oh everybody is well cared for and happy on dr gelbright's estate said angelica his tenants worship him and they would rather be abused by him than complimented by anybody else the cottage covered with the honeysuckle from which it took its name stood in a large old fashioned garden at the edge of a fir plantation which sheltered it from the northeast wind at the back and filled the air about it with blossoming fragrance edith and angelica left the carriage at the end of the lane and walked up what a lovely spot edith exclaimed on a still bright day like this it makes one realize what the saints meant by holy calm i think i should like to live in such a place and never hear another echo from the outside world i suppose you would just like to add dear mostly to the establishment angelica suggested edith's heart contracted she had not thought of her husband and now she did it was with a pang because she could not include him in her idea of eden the french girl was standing at the door of the cottage with a child in her arms is nurse griffiths in angelica asked edith looked at the child it should have been running about by that time but it was small and rickety with bones that bent beneath its weight slight as it was edith had looked at it first with some interest but its unhealthy appearance repelled her she managed however to speak to the girl about it kindly what is your baby's name she asked mostly mentiet was the answer for a moment it seemed to edith as if all the world were blotted out and then again the hum of bees the chirp of birds the fall of a fir cone the call of a cock peasant 
in the woods sounded obsessively making the girl's voice as she continued speaking appear far off and indistinct i called him after his father then didn't i she was saying to the baby in good english but with french accent and he is to grow up and be a strong fellow and beat his father isn't he for he is a bad bad man nurse griffith hearing voices in the porch came out hush lois she said to the girl you have no call to talk in that way now you must excuse her she added to the ladies she's had a bad bringing up i can't believe you edith faltered tell me exactly well it was in this way the girl rejoined speaking in the prosaic tone in which her countrywomen are accustomed to discuss matters that inspire hours with too much disgust to be mentioned mentit came after me and my sister wanted money so she made me believe that he couldn't marry me because there was a law to prevent it she said he loved me and if i loved him well enough it would be a noble thing to disregard the law and he gave her 75 pounds for that i found her letter to mentit about it and i got it here tapping the bosom of her gown he took me abroad where he wanted to get rid of me and left me in paris with 5 pounds in my pocket but it was enough to bring me back i was sick when i landed at dover and they sent me to the workhouse and when i got well again i told them i had friends in morning quest and they gave me a little help to get there but i had to tramp most of the way and i was weak i couldn't have got as far as i did if i hadn't wanted to kill them both now hush said nurse griffiths the lord saved you from such a sin the lord said the girl derisively if the lord had been inclined to help me he wouldn't have waited till i came to murder it wasn't the lord saved me she will say that and i can't cure her nurse griffiths declared but i'm afraid you're feeling the heat ma'am and you're not very strong she added addressing edith who was clinging to the porch for support looking strangely haggard won't you come in and sit down a bit no thank you it is nothing edith answered steadily recovering herself will you come and sit with me on that seat she said to lois indicating a rustic bench under an old pear tree at the end of the garden i want to talk to you nurse griffiths and angelica remained in the porch who is that lady miss the nurse asked when edith was out of hearing lady mentiet angelica answered the woman threw up her hands oh lord have mercy upon her and upon us what a cruel cruel shame she is showing her the letter ah it's enough to kill her you generally know all the mischiefs that's going miss why did you bring her here i wish i had known this then said angelica whose heart was thumping painfully if any harm comes of it i shall always think it was my fault well there is no call to do that if you didn't know the woman answered i see she was great lady myself but i never thought it was her ah but it's a dirty man makes the misery on the way back edith stopped the carriage at the telegraph office and dispatched a message to her husband to come to her come at once they only arrived in time to dress hurriedly for dinner and when they went down to the drawing room they found dr galbraith there with the bishop and mrs bale
Where have you two been the whole afternoon? The latter asked. We had tea in the library at Fountain Towers. Angelica answered easily and obtained some useful knowledge from your books. Dr. Gilbreth looked hard at her. I wonder what devilment you have been up to. He thought, but Angelica's manner was unconcerned as possible. Edith's was not, however. Her face was flushed, her eyes unnaturally glittering, and she became excited about trifles and talked loudly at table. And in the drawing room after dinner, she could not keep still. Mrs. Bale asked Angelica to play, and Angelica tried something soothing at first, but Edith complained impatiently that those things always made her melancholy. Then Angelica played some bars of patriotic music, stirring in the extreme. But Edith stopped her again. That varies my brain, she said, and began to pace about the room, up and down, up and down. Her mother watched her anxiously. Angelica closed the piano. Dr. Galbraith and the bishop came in from the dining room, and then Edith declared that driving in open air had made her so sleepy she must go to bed. Angelica noticed that. Dr. Galbraith scrutinized her face sharply as he shook hands with her. God bless you, my dear child, the bishop said when she kissed him and his lips moved afterward for some seconds as if he were in prayer. Her mother followed her out of the room and then silence settled on the three who were left. The bishop was obviously uneasy. Dr. Galbraith's good-looking plainness was softened by a serious expression, which added much to the attractiveness of his strong, kind face. Angelica shivered and was about to break the spell of silence boldly in her energetic way, when suddenly and apparently overhead a heavy bell tolled once. It was only the cathedral clock striking the hour, but it sounded pretentiously through the solemn stillness of the night and with quickened attention, they looked up and listened. Slowly, the big bell boomed forth ten strokes. Then came a pause, and then the chimney rolled through the room, a deafening volume of sound in long reverberations from amidst which the constant message distangled itself as it were, but distinctly, although to each listener with a different effect. It awoke Dr. Galbraith from a train of painful reflections. It reassured the bishop, and it made Angelica fret for Diablo remorsefully. End of chapter 7